Hey, Internet. My name is Jonathan Fisk. I'm here to rescue you. Found the Saturday morning chill. I am the mad Christian. And if you abide in the words of Jesus Christ, he shall unleash you. We've got lots of good content this morning, including your questions, answers from the scripture, struggling with what it means to be a truth believer, a God-fearer, and a thinking Catholic Christian in a descending into, well, see, they're going to call us mad so that means they're mad, a, a mad, dying, fallen age. And this really shouldn't surprise any Christian who reads his Bible. Of course, it does, sadly, because we've read our Bible as if it's a manual for making my best life now, as opposed to a manual for knowing how to have a fairly quiet, though often disturbed, if you listen to the news life, uh, while you kind of hide and wait for Christ's return. Now, hide's the wrong word there. By hide, I mean just stay where you are and stop trying to change the world as if you're going to change it in a way Christ has said it won't change. When he says things like, the poor you will always have with you. I'm all for building wells. I'm not all for thinking we're going to stop people from being hungry. It won't happen. The Lord will not let Babel become a Babylon of such great capacity that we, in fact, destroy the world before he intercedes to save it. And that's what Christianity is, both in Christ's incarnation, back in time, once for all, justification, and that great stuff. And then also now, the spiritual reality of the body of that risen man reigning as heavenly king from his throne on high and managing all of us, his people, and the extensions of his body kingdom uh, membership reality into the present by our voices, by our mouths that can call even our dying bodies a lie, or at least a half-truth, but a clouded mirror for shadowing the grander reality of when those Ten Commandments aren't law anymore. They're just who you are. And that's the promise Christ has given you. And that's what I'm here to remind you about. And especially to remind you that nobody else on TV, by and large, now you can go hunt down the little the little dark web of Christian sphere, right? But that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about by and large, most of you make eye contact most of the day with people who are not in the room with you. Think about that for a little bit, how weird that is. And what that does is it puts you in a position of being one of the most passive animals on the planet. Hmm. I wonder if they knew about the technology being able to do that before they sold it to you. Or if they just figured it out afterwards and then realized how much power you had just given them. Huh. I don't know. But see, again, I'm, I'm here to rescue you, right? I'm here, I'm here to help you remember. Remember that there are stories that are more true than the Babylon that you hear all over the place. So here's the first thing I want you to do. I, I've decided... I've decided. No one can beat me at this except probably my wife, but go ahead. Here, you're going to try. This is the lamest and yet the most important thing you will ever try to do, okay? What I want you to do with me right now, besides try to imagine, like in your mind, uh, this is actually good. Uh, try to imagine in your mind this sip of marvelous, warm, flavorful drink that you love, whatever it might be. Just, just listen and close your eyes. Listen and, and imagine how good this is. Oh, man. Yeah. 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 Okay, so now, with that, what I want you to do is the same thing you just did with that. I want you to, don't start yet. I want you to breathe all the way in and all the way out as long and as slow as you possibly can. Make it last 30 to 35 seconds if you can. Okay, here we go. I'm going to cut it early because I don't have bad TV. <laughs> you, can't, you can't slow down and take the time to think on TV. 
Notice that. That's important. Um, but what I can tell you is that almost any place I've ever gone where they try to get you to relax or to envision the future, like sports clinics and all the way from sports clinics to like yoga studios, everywhere, um, to, to your doctor. And the science is there. They'll tell you, take a deep breath. It'll make you feel better. It'll really enhance the mind, slow you down, just calm the heart. It does so many good things for you. I've never seen anybody, except for mindfulness then, tell you that the breath is important to continue to focus on after that first big breath. But even they never tell you to take like an everlasting number of deep ones. So this, this is my challenge to you now, right? You just did one. How many deep breaths can you do like that before you are not paying attention to what you're doing anymore? I think if you gamified that and then also paid attention to how good you feel every time you do it, uh, before too long, uh, you would start thinking differently just because you're taking the time to do so. <laughs> yeah, And the world's like, notification syndrome! And you're like, I got a breath here. I really do. Hold on. Like, it's not going to burn if I inhale and exhale, right? Uh, so I'm calling this attention breath training, ABT, carpal suke, whatever you want to call it. It's a, what, an experiment I'm doing. And what I've found is it is so hard. It is so hard to breathe deep slowly, like three times. <laughs> and I've been doing mindfulness for years, you know? So it, like, uh, I'm, I'm sure there are people who walk in and they just have had way less of like the blah, 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 like input uh, in, in their life uh, than me. But for me, it, it's so hard. I want to get up and go do something. It's like just, ah, I had an idea. And oh man. So again, let me challenge you. Just try this. Just try it. One breath, then do two. It's, it's harder than you think. And yet I'm kind of convinced that almost anybody out there that teaches you something about, say, um, uh, what, what, yoga, physiology, guru style, woo-woo, body can, blah, blah, it, it generally is having to do with oxygen. That's just, that's just my supposition here, that, that the, 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 uh, the, the element with a three and one um, that we inhale – that gives life into our blood might be created by God to be like sweet <laughs> for like our bodies, you know? And so like living in places where we can't get it, it's bad for us living in places where you can get it. It's good for you living in places where there's thin air. Maybe you'll lose your minds a little bit. I, I, I mean, Midwest, Colorado, I mean, you know, so I just, that, that was, that was low. It was low. I know I get it, but you got to have a sense of humor at some point because we're on the internet. Hello. So the point being air, oxygen it's from God for you and you have it as breath which again that's how he made you oh, he breathed it into you you have that as a Christian you can see all that woo-woo garbage as just being the nephesh that God created you to be an embodied spirit we'll talk about that in a little bit and then you feed who you are according to the gift of God he gave you and you open your eyes like holy moly God is good look at that there's no there's no mystical magic in it although everyone who's ever claimed magic I think this is what they found <laughs> is oxygen I really do. Uh, but you know, that's, that's me being nuts. I'm just telling you to take a couple deep breaths and see if it doesn't make you feel good. Yeah, I bet you that it does. So, hey, we got a couple things to come to from your questions and answers, but I actually did some work this week for you. I'm not quite as bad as Table Talk Radio, if you even know about that little known show. Um, but I oh, – where would they go? There we go. Um, but I do not do as much prep for this show as my workaholic, productivity-minded former self would have liked me to do. Um, I'm gambiting that, in fact, most of that would have been spinning my wheels in the internet space anyway. So, thankfully, I didn't have to do that much other than on the toilet doing Twitter, which is my habit, every single day, one time in the morning for about 25 minutes. And uh, and I, I you can follow Twitter. You can see I do what 
is equivalent to sitting on the toilet, which is like a politics. In any case, here's a couple of my favorites from this last week that I really want to show you, not because it's about politics. Honestly, go go look at my, my bio on Twitter now. I am on Twitter to get you off Twitter. I am on the internet to get you off the internet. You can go into the internet, but you need to look at it completely differently than you did before when you thought it was just a toy. It is not a toy. It is a tool that is also a psyche-sucking drug <laughs> at the same time. It's incredibly useful. It gives you superpowers, and yet it drains your body in ways you can't even possibly imagine. And you won't really feel until you're older. Uh, Maybe even notice, ever. So, you know, zombie, yes, kind of. And you throw original sin into that one, and we believe everybody who is not born again of Christ by water and the Spirit is, in fact, kind of zombified in a certain way, curved inward on themselves and unable to worship anything but their belly and basically doing that with every thought they ever have. Well, in that case... Maybe, and this is my point about Twitter and YouTube and TV and cable and blah, 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 blah. And yeah, at some point it amounts to what you're letting your kids learn at school. If you're not going to get involved in the public school system to make them learn the right stuff, I mean, you have to recognize that they're not going to stop shouting down their myth with the loudest powers they have right now. And as great as you think the internet is for gaming, it is not getting the message out for you right now, right? Except like me, who am I? I'm nothing. You think this shows something? This shows a joke. We're a joke. We're in a corner. And that's okay. That's why they don't hate us yet, right? And that's why we can be crazy and we can actually just talk. Um, but when they find us, I mean, they'll attack and they will try to destroy. We're just not big enough to even make, make the blip on their screen yet. That's good. God's doing that on purpose. But what you should learn then in this, okay, so this is why the tweet is up here. What I want you to see is that my involvement in politics on Twitter has nothing to do with politics except for that I think that a pro-life president is important. And so I voted for Trump because he's pro-life. And I said that long ago, and I'll keep saying it. And if you voted for Biden for any other reason, you voted for a baby killer who is continuing to pour innocent blood upon the soil of some plot in your city. You should go find that clinic and look around it. That is polluted soil in God's holy eyes that will be redeemed by Christ, yes, on the last day. But like until then, things still go on as they have from the beginning. And it's not really good to get innocent blood on your soil. Everybody knows this before modern man. Everybody knows this before modern man. You're just a modern man who assumed that everybody before you was dumb. Give it 50 years and see who's starving. You know, I don't know if I'll I'll make it or not. I'm a, I'm a yuppie. (laughs) I'm going to stay my hand a little bit as as some hobby farming. So hopefully my kids will have some basic hand and and foot skills. Like I don't have any of them. And hopefully they get a couple of me trying to learn some so that whatever comes down the pipe, they can help their neighbor rebuild. Yeah, because that's what Christians should be doing. And if it all is nothing but us being afraid of nothing, that's what we're not afraid. This is the point. We're coming back to believing what God really teaches us to trust in, which is not Twitter. Look at this. Which side is it? Look Look at this. I love this, that this tweet got done. All I'm saying is what they're, in theory, supposed to be saying, except I'm saying it differently. I'm saying you can't trust anybody. And they're saying, well, I guess I'm saying you can trust me. And see, see, they're doing the same thing, though. You can't trust anybody except me. You can't trust anybody except me. But then again, I guess they claim to have an answer, don't they? No. My tweet that says there are no answers, uh, that's the one they say, oh, no, no, you need to listen to us. This was, by the way, a YouTube video about something. I don't know. I, I, post a lot, I retweet a lot of stuff because I think it's worth watching. You got to like see what's there if you're going to dismiss it. You can't dismiss it before you assess it. Otherwise, you are indeed ignorant. <laughs> ignorant. So just see how uh, that's working and then throw that one in uh, with this one here. This is I just snapped this this morning. It came through my feed. Um, it really has nothing to do with me. It has to do with like I think it's every third post in Twitter after you start at the home. Uh, when you come back in, is an advertisement. You can see it says, it says, oh, I'm going to do it wrong again. It says, oh, come on, Jonathan. 
Which hand do I got to use? This one. There you go. Um, you can see right there across, it says promoted with an arrow, right? That means, quibono, quibono, somebody paid for that to be in your feed, right? And these things are always the most eye-popping drawing tweets, and they are made to look like real people tweets. So look at this. Look at this crisis-mongering cash crop. Oh, I can't even do it. My finger is so backwards on my face. Ah! There you go. Sorry, sorry, uh, podcast listeners. Um, oh, I'm trying to point at it still. Walmart is in big trouble after a photo of their latest display has gone viral. And they circle it, and it looks you can't even see. You're going to have to click on it to go look. Newsbreak.com promoted. It's an advertising company pretending to be news to get you to buy stuff. Now, if you don't think the four big ones that run everything are part of this and actually are doing the same thing, that's, that's my problem. You're saying you just, you just trust Trump. No, I think the big media conglomerates are running all of them. I, I think, I'm not even sure that a Trump win is necessarily that good for the country at all. Other than that, he continues to make good on his promises to be a pro-life president. And for that, he stops the innocent blood. So that's always good for the country. Always good for the country to stop the innocent bloodshedding. That's bad for the country. We've been doing it for a while, especially in our cities, which are what's happening to them. I mean, this is not, this is not justification by faith in God's sight. This is not the sanctification of the Christian on the last day. This is the first article. This is just how the world's made to work. Jesus didn't make that go away. He saved you from it. And he actually redeemed you to see how even when he tears it down, it's actually really good for everybody who's a Christian. Now, maybe I can't explain how it's good for you where you are while you're in the pile of ashes with Job. I don't know. And neither did Job. But Job knew who, <laughs> my finger's backwards again. Job knew how, who not to listen to. You hear what I'm saying? Uh, Job knew who not to listen to. Twitter, look at that. I mean, look at it. They are profiteering on crisis, and others are mimicking them as the model. And you can see it in that Twitter's profiting from them, too. Um, I'm not going to get off, and neither should you, but you should treat it like it's the Borg. And you are the crazy person who just disagrees. I mean, <laughs> that's not quite right. Because follow my, my stuff a little bit before you do that, because it's not just about being a troll. You don't want to be a troll. You want to recognize that Twitter is a troll pile. And if you're a good person in Twitter, you're a good person in a troll pile. And so if the troll's like, you're a troll, you're like, um, cool. Welcome to the troll pile. Like when you get mad at me for like saying something that is like not kosher to your one-on-one -on -one conversation tactic with the first person you just walked up to today, uh, like on Twitter, like you just don't know what Twitter is. It's a mess. It's awful. It should be destroyed. There's people there who might hear the voice of the shepherd if you're like, okay, cool, we're all trolls, and you just keep saying what you're there to say rather than be swayed by the crisis-mongering profiteering that they have. You hear what I'm saying? We're going to be back in just a moment. Alrighty then. So from you, we're going to jump right into questions and answers. We're going to get some talk them into it later. I'm looking for – I moved this uh, around. There it is there. Carmen writes in and says this. Dear Pastor Fisk, our son has been tested and has the gene for celiac disease. Uh, since his diagnosis six years ago, from the advice of our pediatrician, we've avoided anything containing gluten. Does a gluten-free wafer fall in line with the 1983 CTCR document on the theology and practice of the Lord's Supper? Should there be any theological reason for a pastor to insist upon non-gluten-free wafer to administer the sacrament, or is that being legalistic? So legalism is when you take a... a um, a given reality, right, that is by God with a certain level of punishment that is by God, 
and then you try to turn that into a mechanism for your own conscience's salvation. That's legalism, okay? So that's not quite what this question is on either side. You have to recognize that to ask what does this mean is not legalism. And so if Jesus said use wheat because wheat's a pretty intentionally weird and maybe even dangerous substance, but by means of it, I will transform it to, in small portions, like alcohol, give your body's resurrection from the dead. I think this is my plan. You should do it. So he said take this bread. Right. So, uh, you know, that's kind of the argument. Right. And so at what level are you like, well, Jesus, I like your plan, but I don't care about it much enough to ask what it meant. <laughs> right? I don't care about it much enough to worry about radically changing it in ways after 2000 years and no change. Right. So that's where then this question has to be taken very, very carefully. And uh, I do not have a family with celiac disease, um, but I think I can trump you on this one. Uh, I have a daughter who is allergic to wheat. Now, if you think having celiac disease is difficult, let me tell you, being allergic to wheat is worse because everyone thinks you can eat gluten-free food, and you actually can't because some of it still has wheat in it. It just has the gluten out. Yeah? It's a different thing. And so we have had to avoid wheat for her forever. However, she does take the Lord's Supper, and she does not take a standard gluten-free wafer. And the reason why I will always say do not use standard gluten-free wafers is because there's no wheat in them whatsoever. They're made mostly of potato and or rice, which Jesus wouldn't necessarily have even known about. I mean, he would have. He's God and all, right? But nobody else would have. He didn't use that. He didn't say do that. He didn't say use Coca-Cola, right? He said use the fruit of the vine that's been left overnight at least long enough to get some alcohol in it. It's not that hard, really. Um, so, so what do we do? Well, it's not like we just decided, oh, the gluten-free ones are not wheat, therefore this is okay. Thanks be to God, in fact. Before I had to finally come to that conclusion, someone else had noted that there is a group of nuns. We've promoted them here before. We'll put it in Mad Mondays, hopefully again this weekend, now that we're talking about it here. Um, if not the weekend after, there's a group of nuns who care about this question too. And they care about people a lot, which is, is great. Like the idea of a nun, like Lutherans are too hard on the nuns because they get this whole justification thing wrong, which is a big deal. It really is. And when they, back when they were supporting the guys trying to kill us and burn us at the stake for disagreeing, like that was a big deal too. And the fact that the, the system of the monasteries is often a, a conscience like drain for people who, who just end up kind of never really knowing if God loves them or not. Like that's all really bad. But these nuns nonetheless put to use the, the, the law of God, love your neighbor, and they care about the sacrament. And so what they did was they developed a wheat-based, but mostly non-wheat wafer that nonetheless has such a small amount of wheat in it that anybody can take it, celiacs or otherwise. And my daughter's fine. She's been taking it for a year plus now. Yeah, um, two almost. So uh, she's fine. We got other celiac patients in the congregation that are fine. So it, it really comes down to like a lot of things. Um, is your skin actually in the game on this? Like, if you really have your skin in the game on the question, then you don't care if the answer is yes or no. And if Jesus says, well, you're going to eat wheat and die today, you're like, all right. Right? But, but most of us aren't there, right? And so we ask these questions as we struggle, and that's what Christianity is. Don't, they're going to ask, and we're going to look at another question later where someone like bemoans, and, and, and rightly, so I don't want to say that say that's bad, but he's, he's hurting because he, he can't, he feels like he doesn't experience the faith he sees me express. Well, it's not like I'm always on a strong up. <laughs> Life is kind of like this. Right. And Christianity keeps it pretty level as a whole. But you're like, you still have thoughts, right? You still have the other emotions that temptations, I think, is what they used to call these things. And your life is constantly going to be a battle against this, which means you're going to be coming into contact with scripture and truth and word from God that is revealed once for all. But others have forgotten or you have forgotten or it's been taught wrongly to you. You're going to have to re-question or rethink it. And even when you get all the way to where nobody can be corrected, you're going to find there's stuff so deep in scripture, you can't stop digging for it. It's amazing. So, um. In that, then, this question is more about 
how you answer the question than it is about the answer. Because at the end of the day, if the answer was like, I will die, <laughs> what's, the, what's the Jumanji, right? If, if Jesus has said it's got to be cake, right? And the guy blows up when he eats cake. Um, so then he just doesn't get the Lord's Supper and he's still saved, right? Like if you could, if you can't say that's okay, even I don't think it's the right answer, but if you can't say that's okay, you're kind of at the table for the conversation in the wrong way. Because we're after not what makes me happy or what makes me feel good or what I like or what I would want God to have said. We're after what God said. He spoke by the prophets. And, and so if that one who fulfilled all this in himself, then on the night he was betrayed, took bread, which we know is made of wheat. Word is really kind of tied to wheat historically. And he took wine, same thing, by the way. Um, well then we should do everything in our power to take that seriously and do as he said, even if we find ourselves living in ages where, well, we suffer for it in variety of ways. Cause, um, well, allergens are a recent product <laughs> and there were other types of suffering I would contend are far worse or like killing you for trying to get to the church, you know? So, I mean, I'm not saying go shove wheat down your kid's throat. I'm not saying that. Don't do that. Don't do that. If it actually will cause a problem as a parent, what I would do is I would tell my kid, well, let's just wait and see what we can do. Let's just wait. Let's see what happens. Let's see what God does. Let's pray about it. Just, you're just not going to have the supper yet. Just wait. That's what Christianity is. It's waiting. It's good training. It's waiting. Uh, we just learned about, we're going to take our daughter down to Kansas City uh, for Thanksgiving, and there's a doctor down there who is doing what was piloted, I know, in Dallas and in San Francisco about eight, ten years ago, which is food allergy um, uh, remediation, you know, like they do with allergy shots for uh, hay fever and all that, and uh, they do wheat. And they do milk, which she's also allergic to. And they do dairy, which she's also allergic to. Imagine this. It's been fun. This, this amazing kid, by the way. She's learned how to wait. Um, but point being, you know, there, there are other options. Uh, a quick note on the CTCR. The CTCR, Commission on Theology and Church Relations of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, is the official theological problem thesis writing paper producing solution that we came up with in con committee, mostly after uh, Seminex 1973, after we lost trust in our seminaries to do this work for us. And the CTCR is, has shown itself to be what, what most committees are, uh, something that starts off with a lot of vigor uh, and then kind of becomes an ongoing um, commentator on what's going on, but not necessarily a solution ever to what is going on. Um, so I don't, I don't want to bemoan them, but they're, they're sort of like, uh, if you want some good exegesis on the side of your, your current crisis without a real solid, yeah, we're pretty sure this is what God wants. Um, that's sort of been the direction. I'll admit also I've stopped reading. So <laughs> them. <laughs> so, so the more, the older, or I assume the more recent ones, say like the last seven or eight years, maybe they're gold. I don't know. They could be. So someone share with that. If they are, I don't want to, uh, I want good content. I don't care who produced it. I want good content. So, um, so in that regard, the 1983 CTCR document on theology, practice of the Lord's Supper and the later document, I think 1985, also on the Lord's Supper, admission to the Lord's Supper, they're, they're excellent. Some of the best ones they ever produced. Uh, and you should really kind of stick with them. And I think you're pulling from that what it says about wine and grape juice, right? And it's like, yeah, you, no, you can't. You do, what are you doing? Don't mess with Jesus. He's our God. <laughs> Don't you believe this? I think we do. Why are we forgetting this? Right? And, you know, the unseen. But, but it can't be just the wine. Well, he said wine. So I don't know. I'm not God. I'm not king. I've been made a pastor, which means I'm supposed to tell you what the Bible says, right? So here we go. Um, 
So the way to not be legalistic is that whatever the answer the scriptures bring you to is you go, oh, hey, man, that's pretty cool. That must be a gospel, actually. It must be good for me in some way. Even if it feels like harsh obstacle and suffering and law right now. This is, again, the message of Job. I got the rest of my life I want to preach this. If whatever feels like it right now, it's going to be better later. It's like guaranteed. How do you know? Because you're a Christian. I mean, yeah, but, but it won't get better before I die. You're Christian, right? Like, like why does that matter? <laughs> like, what, what, I mean, I get it. It matters. It hurts while you're in it. But like, part of why it's hurting is because you got this victim mindset everyone's complaining about. Maybe it's all a blessing. Every single piece of it. Every single piece of it. I spilled coffee today. What was that yesterday? It was last night. Oh, I love it. Coffee is the blessing of spilling patience. <laughs> It's like the, it's the martial art of patience building, especially if you get a cup that wobbles just a touch. Oh man. And I'd even like, I'd almost kicked it over earlier because I'd set it down to, to do something. I'm sitting in a chair and there wasn't really a place to put it. I set it by my feet to do something this last night. I was going to read, write something now. And then I noticed it later. I'm like, oh my goodness, I could have kicked that. So I picked it up and I get up to leave and it just falls right out of my hand into the very spot. Doesn't break. Thank the Lord. Um, and spills coffee everywhere. What do I do with that? Well, thank God in my life through honest discipline, just trying to say it even though I don't feel it, trying to remind myself that that was for my good. Straight up, that's for my good. I mean, Jocko says it. He's a pagan. Why can't we? <laughs> good. And that's not Jocko, by the way. <laughs> oh, Jocko's pretty awesome. So, Carmen, I hope this helps. I hope this helps. Um, don't go fast, and remember the baptism puts you in Jesus, so your son uh, is already in Christ, and he should cling to that as his shield. Get a verse to say, to think like that, and use that as his shield. Say it out loud. Habakim, but oh, I lost it. Habakim, but Joshua, Kahar, Zion, Lo, Yamot, like that, right? Um, and then you got your shield for your faith to remember, a verse to tell yourself what is true. Give him that as his baptismal work, right? Um, and, until he's confirmed. And then with his confirmation verse, he can have a sword to use, which is, is pretty sweet too. Um, if you memorize them. Uh, as he waits though, the shield, notice how the shield comes first. The shield comes before the sword uh, because you can actually fight with the shield. You can't really defend with a sword. Well, you can, but you gotta be good, right? So uh, there's, there's, some, there's some beauty in that analogy there. I hope you will see. Oh, here's the CCR document. Ah, I should have looked. Thank you, Frisbee. I even listened, and I didn't look. Um, but here, we'll read it through. The elements, there is a scholarly consensus that our Lord employed the earthly elements of bread and wine in his institution of Holy Communion. You, you go look at it, and you, you just can't find it not being these things. Uh, the bread, the Greek word for bread in the New Testament, text uh, artos, uh, generic, it applies to bread in general, while Greek has more restricted terms, azumos, for unleavened bread. It is not found in any of the New Testament accounts of the Lord's Supper. So the unleavened probably was true, but is not recounted by the Hebrews writing in Greek. <laughs> we should take them seriously exactly as they said it. Um, the fact that unleavened bread, this is going on now, the fact that unleavened bread was used in the Passover and that the three evangelists set the time for the Lord's Supper on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread would strongly suggest the use of unleavened bread in our Lord's original action, Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 22. Therefore, we have reason to conclude that unleavened bread should also be used today. Um, uh, well, so I wouldn't conclude that per se. Um, it does make things a lot easier to use unleavened bread. It is way less messy. Uh, and well, what I would conclude from that, though, is that because it clearly was the Feast of Unleavened Bread, we know the bread generally he was referring to was wheat bread. Right, So rather than just go to it must not have leaven in it with other substances, it's what's it made of. When he says it's bread, what's he talking about? He's talking about wheat. 
Uh, so, uh, since the scriptures are silent on the source of bread, it may be baked from the flour of wheat. Right? See, I disagree with this entirely then right here. It's completely wrong. Um, while the former distribution should reflect reverence for the elements, there's no specific guidance on the size or shape of the wafer. I agree with that. Um, it, it really doesn't matter. And I don't think it matters if you put a le- uh, the leaven in it. Um, now, I could be proven wrong on that, and I think it would be a bad symbol. It's kind of like when Christians um, – this is almost exactly like this before you get mad at me. It's like um, uh, incineration. We don't call it that. What do we call it? Cremation. There we go. <laughs> it is incineration. Um, it's like cremation. Right? Like, like Christians can do it. It's not really like a great show of what we think, right? So you, know, you can use leavened bread in the supper. It just shows you don't really get who Jesus was on a really kind of cosmically ethnic way, you know. Um, you know, if you want to offend a Jew who comes in, who's a Christian, <laughs> you can, you know. So, um, so I, I, I disagree, I guess, and then I agree, and then I disagree, and then I agree. So, but this is this is uh, what you really want to see out of the document, and then and come to your conclusions is that clearly it was. You, it was Artos, general bread, he calls it, at the Feast of Unleavened, called by them bread. So we know it was the bread that would have been used in the Passover, which would not have had leaven and would have been based on wheat. And I would suggest, in general, whatever God gives you, just do everything you can to, to like, keep it. <laughs> Don't let someone else take it away from you, especially the devil who's going to make an idol out of some other creation portion, even your own son. Nah. Um, ouch. I didn't mean that to hurt if it did, but it is kind of the way we all work. Philip says this, uh, Dear Pastor Fisk, I have been praying the SOS, Sons of Solomon, Psalms for a while now. God bless you. Have you found their power? It is something, isn't it? Uh, and I'm not entirely sure why I'm praying, what I'm praying for in Psalm 126. You have found their power, which is that you don't know as much as you do, and yet you're finding you know more and want it all the time, right? Yeah. If you know what I know, then you know what you know. Ha. And it's in these Psalms. Uh, I think this is what Luther found that sparked the Reformation. And I think the Reformation clearly had some other very important things to deal with, but maybe got tangented just a touch, just a touch. Um, why would we get distracted by technology and power? That never happens to humans. Not even a little bit. So, um, yeah, why Psalm 126, though? Okay. And what? And in it, I, I'm, I think my confusion hangs on understanding what is meant by those who dream. Uh, there seems to be a pattern of sorrow and pain. Let's see here. Hold on. I'm looking for something. Uh, yeah, okay. There seems to be a... Now you get to be patient as if you're... I'm just thinking. There seems to be a pattern of sorrow and pain juxtaposed with joy and triumph. Yes. Uh, but I don't see how dreaming is sorrowful. I don't know if to dream is meant as to imagine a better future. Um no, I don't think so. Uh, I have a dream that one day I'm going to be a God King awesome. It's more like that the future has come. Like, you're like, wait, I was imagining this. This wasn't real, but now it is. That's, it's more like that. Um, or if it means to be trapped in a state of illusion in which no actual progress gets made. No, no, it's not. That's what you're being saved from. So the captivity of Zion, I think, is Jesus making you his slave again. Right? So it's captivity to righteousness, captivity to justification, captivity to sanctification, which becomes captivity to your own mortification in the recognition that you're in captivity to your resurrection in Jesus. And when Jesus Christ restored the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. When you realize that, it's kind of like, whoa, I'm paid for. I'm a slave. I'm, I'm a slave paid for. By the God King, 
who is immortal now, and he wants me to eat his flesh and blood. Sign me up, sir. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Uh, that, that psalm is awesome. We're going to look at it more in just a moment. Uh, going on with what you have to say. Uh, captivity does not seem fun. You're right. So when you come to uh, language in the Bible, particularly if you're looking at King James or New King James, whatever you're doing, over time, language around you is going to change, especially in the babble of the new media. Definitions are going to be lost so quickly in the next 20 years, probably. A lot of words. People just aren't going to know them. Um, and if you want to go retranslate the whole Bible to put in even less information, um, you know, then you're just, you're just playing the same game they pandered you into last time. So we can't do that. Rather, this is what I mean when I say you've got to be a word pirate. So you came to that word captivity in, in, in the psalm, right? And aside, if you took that word out, did everything else make sense? Yes. Which is why you were confused because the word didn't seem to make sense to you. So you can, you can fix that without me or anybody else. As soon as you know it doesn't make sense in English, you know you got the English word wrong. And that either means they translated that word wrong, which is often the case when it comes to nuance, which is often where these kinds of things happen. It's nuance. Um, they translated the word wrong, or the word once meant that, and we just forgot. And those are the best ones to pirate. You just grab them right back. So that captivity... The captivity is like when I'm captivated. When Jesus Christ restored the captivation of Zion to my heart, I was like a man waking into his dream. You get to pray that every day. Not because you already feel it, but because that's the promise that makes you feel it. And it will end with you only feeling it the day that you burst into glorious resurrection. In which place, I don't know if I'll even need a microphone. I certainly would have hit my head on the way to the coffee. <laughs> vanity. Right there. Your name is Fisk, Vanity. For sure. Philip goes on. Or if it means to be trapped in a state of illusion. Yeah, I did that going on. Uh, captivity does not seem to be fun. Yes, that's the modern definition. But comparing it to dreaming throws me off because dreaming doesn't seem all that bad. Uh, please send me straight. Also, when you pray Psalm 131, this is the best part here. Uh, I feel like I'm straight up lying. Yeah. <laughs> And if you don't, you're not reading it very carefully. <laughs> uh, uh, but you won't always. And this is the beauty of this, okay? So you straight, you feel like you're lying all the way. Um, what I, Fisk, have said about this being a thing that you are praying for me, praying for rather than declaring of, uh, uh, that does help you. Um, thanks for all that you do. So we got, we got these two psalms to look at again. And I kind of jumped the gun and did uh, Psalm 126 here. Let's jump to 131 first. We'll come back to one. 126. So 131, well, he's talking about how, and this, this is the psalm you would be praying last in the day. I should mention, Sons of Solomon is a ecumenically minded Catholic Christian layman's organization that's open to pastors also. All we are, wherever we are, is men who have agreed to pray a certain set of psalms throughout the day, every day, carry a crucifix, wear a Bible, and carry a prayer book. That is all we are. And if you do that, you are one, and you can call yourself one if you want. Now, we have a network we're trying to build so we can engage each other, 
The brand, though, is just that and never will be anything more than that. So if you can't carry the crucifix, yeah, I mean, that's that, you know, for you who are the iconoclasts, sacramentarians, and I would suggest those things go like this together. Um, that's tough, right? That doesn't mean you can't pray these psalms, but it means, you, you know, you're not kind of getting the ecumenical jive I'm working for here. <laughs> uh, so in any case, in these psalms, then, they're, they're built to tailor your day around a clock, which is your body, which is your, do you remember it, ABT? Do you remember? Attention, breath, training. Here we go. Can you hear it? When you're blowing out, you're blowing out carbon dioxide. That's poison. When you're breathing in, you're breathing in oxygen. Your mitochondria like that. That is not me making stuff up. <laughs> it's just science. And in fact, it's also like the essence of our created being, which again, we'll come to that in a little bit. That being is a clock in your body, your heart, your breath. You are a clock, and your clock is more connected to the sun and the moon and the spinning of the heavens than it is to the idea of time, but your head is more connected to the idea of time than the spinning of the heavens, and that is what modernism has put upon you that is the crisis you experience that I'm going to name anxiety. I have it too. Um, I'm, I, I think I actually know how to get rid of it. Uh, I'm not, I could be wrong. I'm still experimenting in this way, um, but there is something to Understanding your body is a clock, and if you let a different clock be your God, rather than you be the clock your God made you to be, well, then you're going to end up spinning out of time. And the answer is not as hard as you think. It's something as simple as, hey, pray these three psalms when you wake up, pray these two psalms before you eat lunch, pray these two psalms before dinner, and pray these two psalms before you go to bed. And if you really want to get like super gnarly, like take a few deep breaths before you do it. Whoa. Yeah. And you know what? It's going to change your life. It's going to change your life. I would, I would, you'll notice something that'll help by the way, in this, I do not say, Oh Lord, in the old Testament, if Lord is in lower cases, I will say Lord, but I do not say, Oh Lord, in the old Testament, no more. I say, Oh Jesus Christ. Enough of this. We know who it is. It's Jesus Christ, but we don't. We don't. When we say, oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. We start praying to this uh, unimaginable other God, maybe the father. Just say Jesus Christ. And these Psalms will change your life as a clock of his promises to you. And this is the last one of your day. I don't know about your day. <laughs> My day, by the time I'm at the end, here's where I'm at. I don't want to go to bed. Because tomorrow's going to come and I wanted more done today. Which means I'm dissatisfied with daily bread. And so I come to this psalm as the greatest liar I know of. Oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. Jesus Christ, my eyes are not raised too high. I think the New King James says haughty. I know they're lifted. <laughs> All I do is have ambitions. That's <laughs> ridiculous. I can't help it. It's like stories in my head. I mean, even the stories are ambitious stories. Uh, and I'm talking about like fiction writing, right? Um, but the thing is, he didn't write this prayer for me because this is how I already am. He wrote this prayer for me because this is how Jesus was the moment he was born. So that 12-year-old, when he prayed this, it was like 100%. Yeah? And I'm in him now. So even though I got this carnal mind clawing at me all the time, Inside of me is the Holy Spirit of the living God 
according to the words promised by the resurrected man, King Jesus Christ, who has said, I am one with him, and therefore I have all rights as his slave, mentioned it before, to receive all the benefits and blessings of his reign and kingdom, including, objectively, being justified enough to pray this until I subjectively believe it. So I can look at it and I say, Lord, my heart's not lifted too high because I know it's not. And in that moment, I'm asking it to be put where it should be. You want better prayer night? That's great. What do you want to do? Get up there and say, I'm so great. Time to go to bed. (laughs) This is actually confronting you the way the word of God does. My heart is not lifted up because I'm not great. I don't occupy myself with the things that I ought to. Well, you think worried about the election and, and, and whether or not this country really exists or has for the last 40 years, that that's things that are too haughty. Those are the great, powerful things God wants you to pay more attention to. The fact that you're praying the psalm means Jesus has not only given you permission to save it, but by doing so and making you to say it out loud at that moment, your heart is not lifted up on your own. Nor are your eyes raised too high. They're exactly where they need to be. So the word does what it says. Write that down. The word does what it says. It's all promise. It's all gift. Read Job. I'm, I'm killing. I'm telling you. I'm killing you. And I'm reasoning. I'm telling you. Lutherans especially. Job's the most Lutheran book I've ever seen. And we don't preach it ever. <laughs> it's so good. Oh my goodness, it's so good. Okay, so so that's Psalm one thirty one. You know, I uh, I have calmed. Oh, we can go on here. Verse 2, but I have calmed and quieted my soul. I never say soul. You're going to hear me more and more saying the word psyche with an I, um, P-S-Y-C-H-I, coining the term um, as a, well, suke in the Greek is what we say soul here, but nephesh in the Hebrew is something quite a bit more intense than soul, and psyche gets awful close. Uh, so so uh, I, I have calmed and quieted my psyche is sort of what you're wrestling with here, right? The inner life, and yet what is it really saying in the Hebrew? It's I have calmed and quieted my breath. The word's breath. Look it up. It's always breath. Try saying breath every time you go through these prayers. And try practicing attention breath training when you do it. That is, just take a deep breath whenever you say the word breath. Let time stop to matter and let what God said matter more. And believe that what he said will do enough while you breathe in the life he gave you when he created you. With the life he's given you as he is redeeming you according to the breath of the Holy Spirit speaking. And see if you don't rise Well, at least the next day, a little more the man you want to be because the man you want to be is a Christian. And you find that's who God's making you to be. Now, Israel, hope in Jesus Christ from this time forth and forevermore. I mean, it's it's, it's up to him to do this. That's verse three. Like a weaned child is my breath within me, right? Yeah, I mean, no, (laughs) but yeah. And the promise and the belief that we're sojourning and it's incomplete, which is where 126 is maybe going to help us more as a a conclusion to the the thought or the, the, the section here. Um. And we talked about the captivity being uh, though, you know, be, being slave-bound to Jesus. You can see here, I think this is ESV, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. That's that word captivity, right? So what happened is they realized that the, the use of captivity, captivation, had fallen out uh, of American English, and so they replaced it. I think this is always the wrong game. We've played this game into the unbelief of the entire system, and so maybe we should go the other way and tell people they can't change our words. <laughs> we have our own. Webster, that's great. That's your English. We have 
the New King James English. <laughs> and that's the one we use. That's actually how my family's going to do it for the next, I don't know, 100 years. We agreed. <laughs> Packed it together. Um, just so that we can understand each other when we talk, honestly. Because um, if you think Webster ain't bought by somebody, you, you aren't watching. Um, so... Uh, our breath, our mouth was filled with laughter. Our tongue was shouts of joy. Again, we're waking up from uh, the dream of the matrix life of white noise and death. The th- idea that I have to actually build here because this is what matters as opposed to I receive here to give away because the better thing is coming. Uh, and so, yeah, the songs of the church are Jesus Christ has done great things for them. Jesus Christ has done great things for us and we are glad. Now, this is being prayed by you before you go to dinner with your family. The idea here is you've been out in captivity with Babylon. You've been out in the day, doing the work, facing the thorns, the thistles, the dust and the sweat and the blood and the tears. And now you're going to come home and you're going to remember that the captivity of Zion, which is Christianity, is already revealed into you for faith to faith. So that the Christians in your home, when you find them there, and if you don't, I would pray for that, that you do, right? But but most of us want to find them there. I'm going to talk like that's the normal Christian thing to find is Christian parents with Christian kids. So when the father comes home to his family, it is a foretaste of the feast to come on the day of resurrection. And it is like those who dream. Here we are, believers living in a veil of tears, and yet we have not been broken. The serpent has not deceived us in such a way, so we've forgotten that he is risen. So yeah, the Lord Jesus Christ has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our captivity, O Jesus Christ, like the streams in the south, streams in the Negev. It's so interesting. So ESV puts streams in the Negev. But then removes other things like like captivity, right? So they add this word that no one knows what it means. They take away captivity. Um, Najeb in the New King James will say in the south, it's a region. It probably really is Najeb in the original language, and it has to do with that region. It's about it being a fertile area. So if you really wanted it to make sense in a translation, you'd say like fertile streams. You know, <laughs> that would that'd be English. Um, but anyway, you know, I'm not going to knock the SV more than I already do. Um, But we're asking now, right? So now that we know that we've been released from the captivity of our our enslavement to blindness and death and our own vanity, to see the world for what it really is, ash that's burning, yet we can feed people with it until Jesus comes back, right? We're asking them, come back! Restore our fortunes. If you're not going to come back, don't let the scepter of wickedness rest upon this land too long. Restore it. Yeah, uh, give us a righteous king or leader to follow. uh, Restore our fortunes, right? So one way or the other, we want to live like Christians. And where are we going to be doing this? Where are we going to be planting this? Do you see how children are a heritage from Jesus? You're going home to really plant the next generation. That's the real work of the day. The more you can spend time planting in your children ideas throughout the day, any way you can, text message, I don't care. You know, the more you can just put it in, the more likely when they're older, it won't come out. That's the proverb. It's not about how I took him to church in Sunday school. It's about how much you pour in because what goes in is what comes out and what is an uh, what you will be is who you imitate. Who you imitate is what you see. And if you want more of that, uh, Philippians three fifteen and following will be the sermon focal point for this weekend here on Mad Christianity and at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Rockford. So restore the nations. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. You're going home recognizing you're never going to do enough in the day that you wanted to do, but you know the Lord has been with you because you've been praying these psalms all day and he's told you he's going to be with you in the morning. He's set your path. Yeah. Uh, he goes out weeping, will bear seed for sowing, will come home. You know, you're going home for the day with shouts, bringing his sheaves with him. And if you have but one Christian child, well, then that's that right there. And 128 should take you on. But it's also just about the fact that every part of your hearth, even if you don't have a hearth, is your realm and your reign. I'm talking to the men primarily, but ladies, you too, with your men, you you are lords and ladies. You are gods and goddesses over a present age of zombified death. The question is, why are you living like the zombies? It's 
not about whether you go to Starbucks. It's about how you think and what you think with. Do you have a worldly mind? Again, Philippians 3 will be the sermon coming up this weekend. I'm not trying to accuse you, uh, my dear questioner, uh, just the world, (laughs) just the world. Uh, So he who goes out weeping, bearing seed for sowing shall come home with shouts of joy, praying that every day as part of your clock, the real clock, the one God built for you, feels really good. And it does things that I would say are slightly unexpected. Yeah, like that. Like remembering that I have to push a second button to tell you that I'm going to be on a very brief break. But if you have not yet picked up my book, Talk Them Into It, and you would like it for free as a digital copy, you can go to revfist.com slash newsletter, sign up, and you should get a free version of any type you like, not just PDF, but Kindle as well, emailed to you. Of course, if you'd like to buy it on Amazon, you can, and particularly the paper copy, I think you'll want it in your pocket because it's a devotional book. We were going to talk about prayer books earlier. We'll talk about it again a little bit. Frankly, the prayer book for the Son of Solomon is any book that is going to enliven and drive you back to the scriptures. So think of it as a devotional resource. It doesn't have to be the same one the rest of your life. Carry something with you, with your Bible, to push you back into your Bible. Start with a bookmark that's got the Bible verses on it. If that's what it's got to be, I get it. Carrying two bucks is hard, but I'll guarantee you this. You won't not like having this book out regularly somewhere in your house. So go pick that up or get it for free at redfist.com slash newsletter. And I will be back in three minutos. Hey, internet. My name is Jonathan Fisk. I'm here to rescue you. You found the Saturday morning chill. Mad Christianity is in your face. Aha. We are going to look at a couple more shots from this week that I want to throw you a hat tip on. So if you're into the idea of Dungeons and Fast and Furious Dragons, this this game show that someday I will do, it's just I'm not going to break my neck. <laughs> uh, but it's going to happen. It's going to involve its own game that I am developing, but I got a better game anyway. It's going to be secondary by the time it comes around because the better game began already. And it is a, a real-life MMO, no O, sometimes O, RPG, religious conspiracy game. And uh, so it's it's begun. The way you play this game is you you follow enough of the stuff I throw out there to figure out that there's clues to the actual game. And the name of the game I'm not even going to tell you. Although if you will follow the clues that do exist, include them on the board, you're, you're going to you're going to find out. Right. So uh, it is what it is, and uh, that's it. But uh, your your clue right here is well, how do I say this? Let's just say that rather than write the most fantastic cosmic horror novel I ever could write, leading you to some sort of despairing belief in a Tutulu-like cosmic leviathan who will destroy us all. But doing so with real Christianity built in all the way, so by the time you get to the end, you realize who the leviathan is, and it all culminates in some real actual, I don't know, personal martyrdom or something. What a story that would be, but what what if I just laid the seeds for it being your actual life? As a game. So, if that sounded in any way interesting to you, you got enough information to start. So, because <laughs> I'm not going to make it easy. Otherwise, it wouldn't be any fun. But games, games that are easy are lame. So, oh, ah, ah, speaking of which, here's a thought. I don't even know what to make of this. This is a picture from my shed, where there is this plaque of the Ten Commandments that I was given... It was it was left here when I bought the house from the man who's a good Christian man, um, interesting guy Joel Osteen, you know, but I don't know 
I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to judge him. Uh, the Lord knows who are his, and he sold me the house and uh, and left me this Ten Commandments thing here, which clearly is iconoclastic Ten Commandments. You can see, thou shall not worship any graven image there. I love that it's a mirror. <laughs> I mean, can you tell me what they missed? And if you can't, well, then you're going to have to do your digging on that one too. But I also love it's a mirror for an even better way than the fact of the hypocrisy unaware, you know, the, the, the felicitous hypocrisy of then also painting the flower and the leaves beside it as if that's not a grave. Come on. <laughs> I mean, just look at it. They carved it and everything. Uh, you know, and it's made out of like a trash can, which, you know, putting the word of God onto scrap metal. That could be cool. That could be not so cool. It doesn't matter. It's just, I'm just playing with the symbolism in my head. And the best symbolism of all is that the Ten Commandments are a mirror. That's the best symbolism of all. This is like my favorite thing, although I'm going to build one that's like a little more reverent, I think, <laughs> with perhaps a more correct ordering and less iconoclasm. Maybe just the whole text. That'd be neat. In Hebrew, that'd be even cooler. Can you imagine? I, that is what, that's it. I'm going to have a mirror. I'm going to build this. This is my plan. I'm going to have a mirror. It's going to have the Ten Commandments in Hebrew built into it. So when I look into it, I must judge myself according to the law and then remember it's a promise. Oh, I love it. I love it. Knowledge. See that, that note there? I can't read it because of the stuff on my screen's in the way of it. Uh, knowledge is free. Lies come at a cost which can be detected in, what does it say? In the assumption that knowledge is not free. Ooh, that's good. Knowledge is free. Lies come at a cost which can be detected in the assumption that knowledge is not free. No other gods. So we're also going to do this right now. Did it work? It almost worked. Right there. Now it's working. Yes, it is. Talk them into it. My book that I guess I did do a commercial for. I got to do it. Everyone else does it. Books don't last. Uh, you have to keep pitching it. Otherwise, it just vanishes, right? So uh, talk them into it. It's worth picking up. I did a study on it a couple of days ago, and you can check that out. With uh, It's like three videos back. Um, all the guys who read it were like, I don't, raving's the wrong word. This is not a book you're going to rave about. Uh, this is a book you're going to slow down and think about for a long time and return to over and over again. If you take the time, and why don't we do a little bit of that right now since we have, what is this, page page 21? Your body and your spirit, or the spirit and body of man are indistinguishable. All right, now this could be heresy if you misunderstand the, the lead phrase. So, so listen carefully here. But uh, the point is not that you do not have a nephesh and you do not have a corpus. Uh, it's a little bit more nuanced than that. So all talk of the soul apart from the body is Marxist gibberish or Grecian gibberish if you prefer a more Republican antagonist. Now, that's, there's a lot of snark in that and a little bit of elitism and you got to know a few things. But Marxism basically teaches an atheistic view that you are just the sum of your parts. There is no soul. You're just a man, woman, whatever, flesh, monkey, dirt. The Grecians were a little more nuanced. They thought you were that and then also were inhabited by this spark of divinity. But in either case, both are attempting to do something that the Bible never does with its word nephesh. It never divides the spirit of man from his body. Nephesh can be used to refer to your entire body, your entire life, everything that you are. That's why I like the word psyche, ultimately. Because the psyche is what you do imagine is what will survive when your body dies, and what you do imagine will be in your body again on resurrection, right? 
right? Like that's how you th- – it, it makes sense to think of it that way. Whether or not I've got some like spirit juju that floats out in where, where I am, you know, I, I don't know. But what I do know then is that as I live now, trying to distinguish between the spirit that is me and the, f- the flesh that is me, there is nothing in creation that, that says do that. God, God made me a creation that is not that. He smashed it together. He's like, he's like, mud, mud, lots of mud growing and mud growing and <gasps> that one's cool. You know? So your mind, your emotions, and the chemistry of their physical design, that is your physical, spiritual, intertwined, emotional, mental, chemical, gloriously singular mind. That's a gloriously, glorious singularity. You follow me? In my book, Without Flesh, we do go into, I mean, you want another pitch? I've written a few. These ones are like official too, like with publisher's information and everything. And in this one, we go into some detail about the power of sound waves and chemistry in language and how gnarly that is and how the debate about, like, say, the Lord's Supper in the 1600s is almost kind of quaint, <laughs> if you think about the science of the matter. Um, and what you want to pull from that is the idea that the Word of God, when it's in you is not just this ethereal idea. It's a bit of electricity floating over bits of dust that your brain is made of with a bunch of like, like fat and proteins and salts and a bunch of other stuff going on. And those are your actual honest to goodness thoughts that you, the psyche, who is this body at the same time, making it happen by the air, the spiritual, <laughs> the breath. I mean, the word spirit, breath, the same one that you're putting into you. Like to try to go in and like talk about your soul or your body as different things is nonsense. It was never in the scriptures to be seen that way. If anything, we should be quieting our bodies so that we can pay attention to what our psyches are listening to. That's, that's kind of the real thing we should take from this right away. Now, but in all of it, you're not divisible. You don't, what you're doing to your body is going to impact your soul. If we're talking about your breath and your spirit and the way you think and the way you have a mind. If, if you take PCP, you know what PCP is? It's a drug. It makes you crazy. It makes you like attack cops with knives, screaming and on video. <laughs> it's, it's, it changes the chemistry of your brain. Well, is it your brain? Yeah. Is it you? Yeah. Be careful what you put in you. You don't know, do you now? And it's not that you're going to deny Christ, although then again, if you just aren't even going to think about it and aren't worried about it, especially about uh, taking care to, to devote your heart and mind as voice, as breath in man from God to God, if that doesn't matter to you and you're just going to kind of sit and lounge away life, I'm not saying, this isn't about justification, but it's, it is about whether or not you're going to listen to the Pied Piper and how long you can before you have, in fact, forgotten. The white noise is game, is forgetfulness. Gaslighting, by definition, recognizes the power of forgetfulness through confirmation bias, which is simply to rely on the most recent information you have for whatever you already wanted to say, which we all do. We all do it. I'm doing it too. I'm just doing it for the risen man, Jesus Christ. So you go ahead and debate which one you're going to do it for. I'm pretty confident he's actually risen. So I'm, I'm like off the hook, but it's not because I'm so good. It's because he is. He's got me pulled by the hair the whole way. <laughs> Still learning stuff I didn't know I was wrong about. It's, it's incredible. How, many, how much is left? You know? <laughs> oh my goodness. So when your body bleeds, get this. When your body bleeds, it's your spirit that hurts, Right? 
You feel it. When your spirit grieves, it's your body that feels it. Sinking sink the stomach, you know that one. Now the Buddha says you are nothing then and the universe is one and all. So all this means is just a big pile of moving eons and stuff. Christ says the Almighty made you out of the universe. So the Buddha is half right. He combined you, God, with the living breath by God's spirit to be bigger and different and head of the universe, but not without also being of that earth. Man is a head of creation, even though he was the last one. It's because of the special reality of the breathing into his nostrils that that changed. Otherwise, it's about order. It's about which was first, which is why the light bringer didn't like what happened. He was on the first day, if you recall, I think. Uh, so uh, you pray with your body or you will not pray with your mind. And that's the point you really want to take for this. So if we're going to talk about talking your friends and neighbors into Jesus and you are not praying for them, you got the cart before the horse. And then if you are praying and you do not consider your breathing part of your praying, you're kind of missing the point of being a human. And then from that, combining your breath with your prayer, you can find very quickly you're going to have much more emotionally powerful prayers if you move. And just stand up. Sit down. Churches do this a lot. Stretching's amazing. Uh, it really is. Stretching and pondering the Word of God while praying it out loud. Oh, man, it's great. Uh, it, it, what it does is it enlivens the mind with oxygen, right? So it's all just flooding chem. I mean, this is not juju. You can go study the brain chemistry. It's just like eating good food. <laughs> and like I say, I'm going to eat a diet of media that intentionally is non-notification, non-clock-based, built by the everlasting Word of God in such a way that I have full capacity to receive it. That sounds like a good half an hour this morning. Oh, man, it sounds like a great half an hour this morning. So, I mean, that's just, that's just my approach to this, this Karpasune idea. Sorry, Karpasuke idea. Um, good fruit of the psyche. Uh, but it leads somewhere. You pray with your body or you will not pray with your mind because you confess with your mouth. Or you do not believe it is so. If you want to confess with your mouth, you've got to get your body involved. If your body's not involved when you're by yourself, why would it be different? So at the very least, get your body involved praying the Psalms out loud when you're by yourself. And we're going to get to, again, a great question about like feeling kind of overwhelmed by that um, uh, in, in a few moments here. So in any case, talk them into it. My book, again, one of my books, is I think the one that you can get for free if you want. Uh, and so check out the links below, refdits.com slash newsletter. Get a free copy of that. Uh, or you can pick it up on Amazon.com. If I hit this button, I believe we go back here. And if I hit this button, then we'll have a moment. And we come back to the grab bag with more questions and answers for you. Actually, let's see here. Um, we're going to go to Worried in Washington here because that is connected to what we were just talking about. Uh, he says this. I've been working my way through Talk Them Into It very slowly as I don't want to continue unless I feel I've pondered each part enough to go on. That's cool. I would say like that might be overkill. Like just do a chapter a day. Just Just do it. And then when you get done, go back. Do it again. It's meant to be like that and – Draft 2.0, if and when it ever comes out, we'll just get some of the uh, the elitism out of the way, my own snark and all that. But it, it'll do its work without you know removing a few of the extra typos. So um, it's meant to be read a chapter a day as part of your devotional life. So Sons of Solomon, you're struggling with a prayer book, carry talk them into it and read a chapter a day, and it kind of is doing it for you, right, for a little bit, and maybe it'll start a conversation somewhere, which is, again, the idea. Uh, so uh, you've been working your way through it. Da, da, da. I, I've come to the conclusion that I'm a coward. Well, <laughs> welcome to the club. Good. Uh, we have been, all of us. 
uh, is, is just a fact. I often feel a great deal of fear at the idea of talking to someone about my faith. Yeah, isn't that weird? It's, it's like wrong, right? Thank God you're not like, like dead because of that. You actually see it. The fact that you see it now, take great comfort in that. That alone, like the, the unbeliever never gets to see that kind of repentance. You're repenting. It's awesome. So be, be thankful. Rejoice. Um, uh, I haven't done it as much as I should That's talking to people. Uh, sometimes I'm worried someone will actually attack me for my faith. Other times I worry they'll talk me out of it. Yeah, fear. Fear is the mind killer. Looking over your shoulder is always going to be the paranoia of Satan, right? He wants to tell you that you can't see and that in the darkness is evil. And what God wants to remind you is that the unseen is actually where he is, <laughs> Evil is where we are. Uh, the unseen is where he is, and he's the one really managing that reality. You can see desecrated, unholy ground. It's not hard to find. Go look at an abortion clinic. Go look what's around it. Go look at a strip club. Go look at around, what's around it. You will see unholy land. It happens. Um, so it's not to say every church that Moses lawn is necessarily holy land. Some of those are unholy too in their own way. There's a different kind of unholy that happens on college campuses. You should read that hit his strength if you have not. Uh, office buildings do this too, of course. But anyway, I'm tangenting here. But the point is that the, the looking over your shoulder fear comes from the fact that y- you think something you don't see right now. You've thought it through. You haven't planned for it. That there's something out there that's going to get you. It's called paranoia, right? We all have a little bit of it. I think it's more about having too many inputs, being overstimulated, uh, that we are like, we're kind of jumpy because we just, ah, what's going to come in next kind of thing. And so we, we are, are being built to live in the created order where, in fact, there are lions and tigers and bears. You know, we're in a constant fight or flight and it begins to get to the point where you just don't want to do anything. You just want to hide because you, you can't fight back, but you want to get out of fight or flight and then alcohol is often a way to handle that, I suppose. Uh, not necessarily a good one. Um, alcohol is a gift. How you use it carefully. Uh, sometimes, uh, yeah. So the worry, though, that you're going to be attacked, and this is the thing, is like, yeah, I fully get it. I still experience it. Let's go on. The answer that pops up in my head is, well, don't, that's faithless. Well, it's true, although that's also like chiding and accusatory and really not going to encourage you at all to say that to yourself. So your inner monologue, like mine, is pretty brutal, I imagine. Um, but the stress response continues to physically happen. Yeah, right. So that's that's the thing that really get there. So when you are afraid, you have this adrenaline spike response that floods the system, which makes you less competent as a thinker and a talker, which makes it so that you really wouldn't want to have a conversation, which is where an attention breath training moment Remember who you are. How about Kim Joshua Kaharzayan Lo Yamot Lulamishev? And then go on. Yeah. Those who trust in Mount Zion are I always say it wrong like that. Don't don't follow me on that pattern. Those who trust in Jesus Christ are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. So the answer to the fear is not, well, don't be faithful. The answer is to quote scripture. To find your spell verse. Again, I'm less the Harry Potter guy. And I like the imagery of the scriptures. So what's happened for me recently is I've adopted my confirmation verse, which I was given in church uh, as when I was young, um, as my sword. I think of it as my sword. When I say it, I imagine I'm wielding a sword. No one can understand what I'm saying because I'm saying it in the Greek. That's a lot of sword wielding right there. You know what I was doing? I was stabbing myself with Jesus. Oh, it felt so good. <laughs> and so I can wield that now. And I'm, pra- I'm not great at it. I don't say it out loud a lot. Just in the morning, every day, 
I'm building up, but it's going to just start popping out against my fear at certain points. And right there with it then, how about Kimba, Joshua, Kahar, Zion, Lo Yamot, Lo Yashab. Those who trust in Jesus Christ are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever as a shield. Bam! Bam! Oh, was I afraid? Wait, hold on. Hold on. Is someone about to sneak up on me in the shower and stab me to death in some Alfred Hitchcock kind of way, and I'm going to die a vain and useless, glorious death? How about Kimba, Joshua, Kahar, Zion, Lo Yamot, Lo Lam? Yeshev, it really doesn't matter. I'll be with Jesus then, and my kids will be fine, and the Lord will take care of it. It might even turn into something amazing, wherein lots of people get saved as account of me being famous because I got murdered in the shower. Okay, I'll let it happen, and then you just move on. But you have to change the story inside your head to match the story of the scriptures. And I'm telling you, the media is a drug that's pushing it out, and you need to at least have like a 50-50 war. Can't fight from a corner. So, um, this is to say to you, E, like, don't feel bad that you're having a hard time. Like, yeah, I'm asking you to stand up and be a man in a culture which hates patriarchy. And in which even the women who love their men and want to be women who follow their men are still tempted by Genesis 3 and the noise around to distrust their husbands, to, uh, to pursue as much out of life in vainglory that their husbands are pursuing. So we're all in this thing, right? And we're all struggling. I think post-COVID for me, it was like, you know, you go, bow! Oh, wait a minute. I was worshiping the clock. I'm back. And I'm worshiping Jesus again only. <laughs> Although I'm sure I've got other idols somewhere. But this was like this cosmic thing. This is like a millennial shift, right? I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm loony. I'm the mad Christian after all. But like, I'm pretty sure that from the clockwork moment on, Click, tick, tick, tick. From that moment on until uh, somewhere around March, we were on a trajectory of, of globalization and unification on a clock. And I didn't come up with this idea. I just read about it, but it sounds about right. And what happened was we all got off, off the clock. And what was already preceding this was the fracturing of populist movements so that in areas like Brazil and areas like India and areas like the United States, you have real divisions arising around historic kind of meta-narrative ethnic ideas, which Trump does represent with the flag at least, uh, and those who don't want that. That's happening all over the planet. And now those are going to be hyper localized and diversified because they're not only on different clocks already kind of just in life during the day. Now that one global narrative has knocked them off. COVID particularly, the different responses to COVID. We we have different planets. Sweden's a different planet than Illinois. And Illinois is a different planet than Iowa, right? Like, wow. So in that psychotic world, I'm asking you to look around and realize like you literally have been playing some weird version of Assassin's Creed, only inverted, where now you woke up in your own body and you're done being in the cubicle working your body for somebody else. And you're like, wait a minute. I could change the actual world right now. Not in a way that would change the world. But it might change you. Yeah. And that would continue to change me because that's what he does as we speak. Yeah. So don't feel bad that it is not easy. Why would you want an epic quest that is the rest of your life to be easy? It took me a while to work myself up to wearing a crucifix. It's tough, huh? Yeah, no doubt. I, 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 try carrying a big one. Even, it's just so hard. Oh my gosh. Um, why? They're going to ask me about Jesus? I mean, <laughs> yes. And that's what, what? You know, 
Try it. I mean, it's just amazing. Our bodies have been trained into psycho-spiritual, sociocultural, emotive habits that are unchristian. And we have the opportunity to fight back right now, harder than ever, with nothing but the Word of God. And again, so don't feel bad that you fought back and you're like, wow, I feel like Neo now, watching after kind of knowing, oh no. Right? Or maybe I am Neo now. Maybe I shouldn't be hiding in the corner. What are they going to do to me? Kill me? And I, I know that sounds hard. We're going to go to this, right? The more you say it, the more you're going to believe it. Say it in a mirror. You will imitate what you hear. You want to be who you want to be? I mean, the pagans are right about this. You want to be the imagined person you want to be? Look in the mirror and tell yourself you are until you become that person. You'll believe yourself eventually. It's, we're, it's not that like you're so smart you can do it. This is how, how dumb humans are. We're, we're, we're programmable over time. You put us in a box and give us enough of a different story and we will eventually believe it. You know, that sounds like church, by the way. And the flood and Noah. Just, if you want to do that, Matt, that was sweet. Uh, <laughs> I didn't plan that. Um, <clears throat> I want to ponder though, man. Put us in a box and tell us a different story until we believe it so much. And that's what we see when we look out the window. Now you can do that with the screen in front of you. You can do that with your Bible. I'm picking Bible, yeah? And you are too, and that's why it's hard and it's awesome. You don't want an easy, epic, ordeal life. <laughs> you don't. It's more fun having to trust God. So uh, you worked it up. You work at the grocery store. I signed in uh, a contract agreement to present neutrally. That's great. Do what you got to do, man. Um, as best we can in public, great. So even though I am wearing the crucifix at all times, I'm tucking in my shirt, I'm going on the clock, right? Because you you're under Caesar, right? This is uh, Naaman uh, and his Assyrian Lord when he says to Elisha, you know, may I bow in the temple of Dagon? Uh, when my Lord bows on my arm, he said, yeah, you got to do what you got to do. He's not saying you're not bowing. Like, you're not really doing it. You're serving your master and this is the human orders and we are not here to undo that, which Protestant Christianity sadly has thought we are for some time, it would seem. I don't, I don't quite get that. I do get it, but history, brief, brief history of power with me and Kuntz is more in that direction. Direction, and I'll maybe talk about that again later. So back to your UE. Um, uh, you took it in your shirt. You take it out. Sometimes I feel that it's reasonable. Other times I tell myself Paul got stoned more than once for his faith, and I'm afraid just to get fired. I don't know if that is compliant. That compliance is faithless, but it has me torn. It was kind of both. I mean, I don't. I'm not going to imagine that St. Paul is like, dude, you got to get fired or you're not really a Christian because you're not really standing up for Jesus enough. Like, that's not really the approach that he's on, okay? Um, so if, if you're looking at it that way, just stop. He's just wrong. You're, you're fine, man. Calm down. You're all good. God's going to work through it for you, all right? Um, now, if it's on the other side where it's like, I'm starting to feel like I'm tired of being afraid and I'm tired of um, letting mammon be held over me as my God. And so I'm going to still obey all the rules and do exactly what I'm told because I'm a servant under a master and I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm going to do to them what Jesus would have me do to him. And if they say this, I'm going to do it. Unless they tell me to curse God, right? You know, kill babies. <laughs> um, you know, I'm going to do what they tell me to do. So you go and you go out, but you can do that completely unafraid and knowing that if one day they're like, what are you wearing under your shirt? Like what? What are you wearing under your shirt? Pull it out. Crucifix. We don't take that kind of hate here. You're fired. Now, I guess extreme, okay? But you need to be able to handle that as a story in your head because that's the fear. 
And then you need to be able to tell the fear, that's a myth. It's a story in my head. It's not what's happened. I'm just imagining things. And what God has said is, <gasps> speak the Psalms, as you're going to get to, right? <laughs> So just take the fear straight into the Psalms. Don't flaunt it. You're not there to offend people. You're there to pray, right? When you, when you do what you're going to do here in a moment, right? So um, I wanted to be part of the Sons of Solomon, but I don't know if it has, uh, if I count it. I don't know if I count as the only places I go out to are either work or chiropractic who's helping with an, an injury. It's not about going out. It's about praying, man. Um, so, uh, well, I just did that wrong. There it is. It's about praying. Uh, that's the very, very wrong one. I want this one. Why is that one behind? There we go. Um, so understand the Sons of Solomon is not about going places. It is not about talking people into Jesus, although hopefully those things happen too. <laughs> uh, Sons of Solomon is about praying those Psalms as Catholic Christian men for a year together and carrying a Bible and a, and a prayer book everywhere we go. Well, if everywhere you go is your house and your work, you're just carrying it. I mean, there, there, there's not like a, the goal is simplicity and us praying the Psalms together because Jesus is king and we need to beg him to help us. That's, that's, that's it. That's the plan. It's not genius, I don't think. It's just kind of genius, <laughs> right? Like it didn't take a genius to come up with what was obvious, except for that the white noise has made it pretty tough, right? So, so you're, you're again, you're, you're living in guilt. And I'm going to tell you, the future is not like this for you. I understand that right now is how you think, but in time, God will reveal to you otherwise that how Christians think is a far less fearful thing and you don't have to try to get there. If you try to get there, you won't get there. Just trust me. Trust me, just keep keep praying the Psalms. Keep being part of this. Keep listening. It'll happen. Uh, so, I bring a pocket Bible, but often read Bible Gateway on my phone when I'm in the break room. That's cool. That blue light's uh, you know drug, right? So you're just feeding the drug. And as long as you know you're also doing that, that all day long you're kind of wanting to get a little more blue light uh, because it is a drug. And so as long as you're recognizing, oh, I'm going to Twitter because I'm going to blue light. Like, cool. Manage it. I'm not saying you have to stop. Manage it like you would Tylenol, <laughs> you know? Um, and it's just as bad for your liver. Huh, maybe. <laughs> kind of. Depending on what you eat. I've worked myself slowly up to whispering the Psalms to myself when there are other people in the room. That's great. But I don't know if that's enough. Enough for what? It's for you. It's for you. It's for your confidence. Now, I say pray them out loud in general because it helps with confidence. However, if in the moment of having other people in the room, you are distracted by the adrenaline needed to pray it out loud, then breathe instead. (laughs) And then read it quietly. Because it's not for them. It's for you. It's for us. And only then is it for them. You see me? Like, it's got to be about, this is how the Lord's going to keep you saved, Jimmy. It's how he's going to keep you in the faith. And he's going he's to carry you to the last day on these wings and words. And in that regard, these other people, they may or may not be brought into a conversation with you. But you should feel free to just open your Bible and sit there in a chair and quietly whisper them to yourself, frankly, with them in the room without them hearing you. And if you need to breathe, I'm telling you, attention breath training, it really is a thing. One deep can't do it on TV. It takes too long. One deep breath in, out, all the way. Try two. It's hard, but it's really good for you. So, uh, da, 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 da. I've been threatened twice by customers who didn't like how our store had to adapt and uh, limiting things and having long lines. Uh, when we had a law imposed on us by our governor, <laughs> uh, what? Wait, this is impacting real lives. Shouldn't we just shut up and let and do what we're told? I'm sorry. I, I, there's my. I'm still frustrated that I'm getting that message from Christians so regularly. It's like, can you can you not see the pain people are in? Man, uh, we then had a law imposed on us by our governor that we had to refuse sale to people without a mask, which people didn't like at all. Right. So now actually you got your customers mad at you. Um, 
I can't ask you which governor you have, but I can tell you if you're in Illinois, it's a lot of bark and no bite so far. And the people who fought back and said we're not closing are still open. So it's really about who really – is power what I say or is power what I have the ability to get other people to do for me? And your governor is kind of in that second category <laughs> as much as he, he she would like to think otherwise. It just just – You'll be aware of that as you talk with your neighbors and your sheriff uh, about your plight because you should be working with your local authorities as much as you can to try to, well, keep all the businesses from going away to save. I'm just – I'm a skeptic at this point. It's getting it's getting tougher. It's getting tougher from my where I'm sitting. I'm sorry. I don't want to like make anybody feel bad. Like I'm a pastor and so when I disagree with you about something, you feel bad. And I, I just – but I don't know. Eh. I'll leave it at that. Uh, things have been better recently as people get used to it, but it's been uh, tough and it has left me feeling vulnerable in a way that – yeah. So you're basically taking the the uh, aggression and or microaggression uh, of these customers who see you as a slave because you are because you're working for a, a master who's paying you to be there to serve these people. And there's nothing really wrong with that. You're not a, a slave in the sense that you don't have a credit card or – well, that's actually its own form of slavery. A car is, might be its own form of slavery, but you know what I'm saying. You're not like a, an American slave from 200 years ago, but you are in the service industry. You notice how if they just change the nomenclature, nobody minds. Like if, if they tell you it's different with different words, but it's the same thing, you're like, oh, okay, cool, we'll try. Like the, as a society, this isn't you personally, it's a society, us in groups, us in groups. We're not smart in groups. Um, golly. Uh, you've been taking the adrenal fatigue of both the work environment, which is already stressing you out. You already have an overstimulated, stressed out life. Uh, and now it's been amplified by what was before sort of like a cloud cuckoo land stressed out life, rainbows and unicorns and, and cats and stuff. And it's been turned into like the Humber Hunger Games got real, real fast, dystopic life. And you're not really prepared for that. You're not a Navy SEAL. You're not trained to endure. You're trained to sit and ask for help. Think about that. Just that phrase. Write it down. You're trained to sit and ask for help. Day one, every educational system we got, right? How would you handle survival? Having to even think those thoughts puts us into jeopardy and we are unprepared mentally. Now, I'm here to tell you that Christians have a completely different world. It's a different planet. And yeah, they might kill us. But when that story becomes your story and this other story can be minimized, you can see it, you can call it what it is, you can hear the half-truth, the paranoia, the over-the-shadow shoulder lie. And how about Kima Joshua Kahar's Island? I can't be moved. Strike me down. I, I love quoting Ben Kenobi as a Christian. I'm going to do it often, I think. Strike me down and I shall become more powerful than you ever imagined. It's just what it means to be a Christian. You're going to go on and ask, well, why do, why do I feel this? Jonathan feels this, and why don't you? And this is really important. So let's keep going. Um, it's strange because you are the talking head you speak against so much. Yes. <laughs> uh, but if it was not for you continually blasting the word of God at us amidst this chaos, I know I would be much worse off. Yes, that's why I'm doing it. It's kind of like, I don't know if this is right, but it is kind of. So fishing in the Bible it's about a dragnet. And so 
over the course of the last 15 years, I've been able to build a dragnet for scripture that's not as big as I'd like it to be. But I can just throw it out there into the internet. And most recently, I've been able to stop the, the, the flow back. So most of us are out there, most of you are out there looking to increase the flow. What's new? What's cool? I want more. Those aren't Christian thoughts. You're not going to hell because you had them, but that's what they're selling you. That's what they've trained you to go to the screen for. What's new? I want more. Uh, those thoughts over time kind of build upon each other and you end up spending more and more time in the drug that is online. The antidote to this then is to come off of that online reality into a present reality that cannot distract you to remove notifications and in a removed state of notifications of any distraction. That is, I'm not saying like there isn't wind or something, right? But now you're going to tell yourself that it is a good work to read the Bible for half an hour. It's a good work. It's going to feel good. And like praying those Psalms from before, you're going to be like, I don't really feel like saying that. Say it anyway, man. Because the fact is, those words are more true than your feelings. And they just need to reform your feelings, which have been malformed by the poor nutrition of white noise media. Yeah, all that. So I'm out here trying to get you just to slow down and ask who your God is. I contend most American Christians live as if Jesus is their God on Sunday. But even on Sunday, they worship Jesus according to their worship of the clock, which is why they're worried about being late to church, as if you could be late to eternity. It's also why they're worried about making sure church is over soon enough, as if you could end eternity. Uh, ever. So it just, to me, it just tells me the categories I've been working with in my head from the modern world and the education I've been, I was given. Sit down, ask, ask for help. No new ideas, mind you. Um, I'm having a lot of new ideas recently, and they're not really that new. They're quite old. And it's just about not letting Bill Nye tell me everything. And he's just an example of a face to put on. A lot of the interpretation of the scientific developments of the last 300 years, which are phenomenally mysterious things, and I'm sure there's a lot of great science out there, but many of them have been attached to stories that make them hard to use or know or trust. Moon landing anybody? I don't even care, I guess, but I do. But like, I mean, we could fight about it forever, and that's kind of the point. That's kind of the problem. And so Christians got to recognize that's the lie, though, to think that there's this bigger other story. We're being distracted by it. Whereas what is needed now more than anything else is not you to be involved in the national dialogue. Although, I guess if you are on your way to the D.C. Marshall Day, you probably should be involved in that. It might change the world. It really could. Um, I don't know. Uh, but after that, what you've got to do is worry about your neighborhood, your neighbors, the streets around you. If no other way than by praying for them, which is what you're doing, Jimmy. You don't have to go knock on doors. Jiminy? Jiminy. You don't have to go knock on doors. Just face your neighbor's houses while you pray. Recognize that your proximity to them is the holiness of God in their midst and that you would have them believe, that you would have them be saved and that you know your weakness and your inabilities and that Lord, well, you're the Lord of the harvest, Jesus Christ. You, you show me how 
to be a Christian right here. And he'll give you what he wants you to have, Jiminy. He'll give it to you. Um, and the trick is then to take it and say, oh, this is what he wants. It must be good. And then eventually, again, you might even drop a cup of coffee and laugh at it. Oh, this will be fun. Here you go. Mini game. Mini game time. Yeah, that's what they are. Mini game. <laughs> oh, Valve, why did you put another coffee cleaning mini game into my virtual reality psychic trip? Ha. Ha. Matrix. Uh, somebody watched the Matrix recently. Uh, oh, it was in the, in the Bible study the other night. Uh, and he had never seen it before. And I was like, what? I, like, to be my age almost and never seen it is so formative. Uh, the idea of this potentially, uh, let me, let me take a step back. So the matrix is the idea that com- the machines make a false world that we all are uh, living inside of as batteries. Like our heads are in the, in the matrix, the computer world. And we're just like stacked on shelves, making batteries, battery power for them to run. And then that also runs the world that we kind of inhabit, which is this world that just as we see it broken, flawed and everything. And it's all just fake. Now, the coolest thing about creation and being a creature is that that's all entirely true. <laughs> it's just not a computer. <laughs> and what's, what you're going to be pulled out of when you're pulled out of this creation in, is not out into some other thing, but further shoved in to the fullness of the glory of God, which this is but a pale reflection of in, in its fallen state. But it's not so different. Like, to think about your body as VR, like, who was it? Cringe Walker was telling me he loves the VR because he just walks around and looks at stuff. And ever since you said that, I'm like, wait a minute, I got a better VR than you do, man. And I just started slowing down and looking at the detail. Like, you're all stunned about what we can do on the screen with detail. And I get you. You're right. It's amazing. I, I hope to play um, Half-Life someday. Uh, maybe. Uh, but the detail on the bugs and the wood and the grass, I don't know. I, when I read Walden, I thought the guy was nuts. He like stared at ants for an hour and a half. Well, he was probably 40 when he did it. <laughs> you know? If you think that's normal at 20, you're probably not a normal 20-year-old. But then again... If you see the 40-year-olds are like, hey, you should watch the ants for an hour. Like Solomon said that too, by the way. Um, you, you know, Everyone says that, then maybe take, take it from me who's 40. Do it before you're 40. <laughs> you're too, I lost half of it. Ah! Don't. Believe now. Believe that the word of God in the Psalms and the Proverbs is yours now. And the rest of your life will just be one step after the other that God laid before you, and you will find they are beside green pastures and fresh waters to redeem your mouth. So that, yes... Though you walk through this valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil for Jesus Christ is with you. His rod and his staff, they have become a comfort to you. Or they will soon. Because you can see how he is preparing before you in the presence of your enemies a table on which your cup runneth over so that it remains a certainty. Tov v'keseth. Goodness and mercy, steadfast loving kindness and faithfulness shall follow you all the days of your life. Simply. Because you dwell in the body of Joshua Christus, Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ, age and age, aeon unto aeon, forever and ever. Amen. I say that to myself every single morning, and it is the best moment of my day. It seems like you and Pastor Wolfmuller are absolutely fine and ready to be martyred. No. But I've begun to try to imagine how cool it could be if I would stop being a, and I will let you fill in the blank for your word to describe a man who isn't willing to stand up and do what he's supposed to do. I know what we said in SoCal in the 90s, and I can't say it on YouTube right now. <laughs> but if you don't like being a coward, well, then you're not one. You just started. You know what I'm saying? If you've been lying in bed for 10 years and you weigh 400 pounds and you can't move, you're not going to run a marathon tomorrow. 
Now, I'm not trying to solve that problem for anybody. We all have things we cannot avoid. Suffering and pain. But again, I am contending that disciplining all nations in the words and sacraments of Jesus Christ it's not really been what the evangelical um, spruce goose attempt at world evangelism has been about. And maybe the same spirits that were making money off of uh, well, corn syrup, margarine, bromine, chlorine, maybe fluoride. Well, they run the Christian publishing houses and music industry and it's all the same system. And what you hear, what you eat is what you are. I'm talking word of God. So I'm not fine with martyrdom because I'm just like that. Pastor Wolfmuller started talking about how he thought it was really interesting and curious and kind of thought it might be fun. And I thought, dude, you're crazy. That's the most insane thing I've ever heard. I like Brian. He's my friend. He's wise. He knows Jesus. Why am I so afraid of it? And from that question on is what you see over time, one step at a time. I'm not quite ready to be martyred yet. But then again, I'm coming to terms with the fact that if I am, I've prayed to make the biggest megaphone I can and shout he has risen into it before I die. And if that takes me getting like burned at the stake at the middle of some weird pagan trial on YouTube, cheers. I prayed for that. I should take it when it comes, shouldn't I then? So that's part of it too. What have you asked the Lord for in this life? Don't ask to be me. <laughs> you don't want that. Uh, ask to be Job after. Not with all the stuff, but with the understanding. Oh. Pray for that and then don't worry about it. If you're going to get martyred, and this is kind of what the conclusion I've come to too. When Jesus says, he says it this way to his apostles, don't worry about what you will say. I'll give you the words in that day. He's not saying don't ever study the Bible. <laughs> Some people take it to mean that. He's not saying never plan or think about what you might say somewhere. But he's, he really is saying like in the day that you're going to have to martyr, be martyred, they're going to kill you. You're a Christian. Okay? You've got to that point. You could have backed out long before this. You've had many chances to back out by the time they're actually going to kill you. And you, at that point, you are not going to be afraid. You're going to be like stoked about this. And again, the best I got is Commander Shepard in Mass Effect 3 running toward the light with all the music and the shaking controllers and everything. It's like, well, I'm going to die, but it's going to save the world or I'll die trying. And let me just contend that's what man is. Not woman. Sorry, love. I'm all you. Man is I am going to, well, created, dominate the world or die trying. Fallen, dominate the world by power or die trying. Redeemed, dominate the world by talking. Or die trying. Only the king, and I am the Pendragon, until there is another. Whew, the game is afoot. Ah, so uh, I know the answer is faith. No, you're wrong. The answer is Jesus. I love you. I love you, Jiminy. But no, the answer to I am scared is not faith. Faith is a repository in which you as a human experience trusting a thing that's outside of you. You don't, you got plenty of faith. You got all the faith in the world. You got the faith in the wrong things. So you don't need more faith. You need more Jesus as the thing you trust. Now, maybe that's what you meant when you said more faith, but you didn't say that. And I think it reflects a common mystic, inbred 
sinful error that we all are kind of born with. If you would like to trust Jesus more, you can't look inside. You have to look outside. And then you have to look at what Jesus says, which means scripture. I am contending if you can memorize enough scripture to look up in the mirror and say it bouncing back at you, you got a superpower nobody knows about. And it really isn't going to make you like fly. You just won't be afraid of work. (laughs) Even if they kill you. Now, you're still going to get adrenaline. And if you've had enough of the, um, uh, if you are enough of a cortisol addict, uh, you know, overrun adrenal gland fatigue from years and years of like two pots of coffee and traffic and eight hours a day as fast as you can and hyper productivity. If that's the kind of fight you're, you're, you're struggling with your anxiety, I'm going to suggest that what, again, this is, is a, is a, a level of overstimulation syndrome. You have too many inputs And the human body needs space and time for the inputs to be in and then to come out again. And so what you need to go in is less of I should be more faithful out and more of a knowledge that what's going in is mostly telling a story that is causing me to adrenalize in fear. But that I have been redeemed in my mouth, which is my body and breath made one to tell a story that calls that one the lie that it is. Out loud to myself right now, that's a lie. That's a lie. I know it's a lie. Habakim, Joshua, Kahar, Zion, Lo, Yamot. There it is. I mean, that's mine. You need one. You probably want it to be in English, at least to start, right? Uh, so, but the point again being, you got to preach yourself. Preaching is not the purview only of the preacher. He is merely the public voice of all the men who should be wanting to say more or less the same thing, at least to their kids. And again, when do we stop talking to each other? Could it, could it be when we started watching the talking head who was our God? The graven image that is ungraven but speaks holy things and we trust. Oh, does it sound psychotic to look at it that way? That's just crazy. I really don't think um, you know any one man's in charge of the TV, but I'm pretty sure the zeitgeist is real. So Brian and I are just um, on TV first. You only get us in our best moments. We don't show you our worst moments. We're out here to inspire you. Now, you're showing that it can inspire you the other way. Well, I try to be as honest as I can. I get horrible moments too. And I'll be straight up with you. Throughout my life, I have had to use medicine in order to deal with depression. High levels, depression, anxiety. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm bothered by the fact that I think my government did it to me in the New Deal. (laughs) That kind of obsessed me a little bit. But that's my crazy, right? And frankly... It's all led me to a place where all I'm going to do is take a deep breath about it anyway and preach Jesus. So, hey, I'm thankful for what it did to me. And I think, Jiminy, what you'll find is that the ordeal you've been in, what you will overcome, is what's going to make you how awesome you're going to be. All you men out there that have felt put upon, all you men who have felt you can't be men, you have permission to be the man you want to be. The only thing in your way is your own doubt. And I'll tell you, praying to Jesus to make you the man he wants you to be is that times 20. 
and then some. All right, we got, we got more, we got more, we got more. We got at least one more, two more. Here we go. Melinda says this. Alo, I love that. Is that me? Oh, it's me. Hello, I like Alo. That's kind of cool. I appreciate you answering my questions. I appreciate you asking them, Melinda. Thank you. Uh, what do you do about jealousy? This is a very interesting question. What do you do about jealousy over a pastor? People used to brag about having the pastor over to their house on Sunday for dinners, right? Now, I don't know, but I'm going to stop you right there. I'm going to tell you something. I love you all so much. You're my peoples. Like, whoever you are, you're my peoples. I cannot pass through the internet, but I care about you. And if I hear that you're suffering, I'm going to feel really bad. I'm going to pray for you. And my peoples, who I care for as a pastor here locally, like, that's what I do here locally. And I give everything that I am to that. But let me tell you something. After getting up 6 a.m. on Sunday morning, after working all Saturday, by and large, with the morning show and a Saturday evening show, and then going all morning preaching, caring, listening to countless conversations of suffering, having to put out fires, and uh, finally getting to do what I'm there for, which is take the supper and preach. The last thing I want is to be at someone's house every weekend after that. <laughs> so I don't know what these pastors were and how bored their lives were back in the day. I can see how if I could not talk to you all week long, in your earbones via media, it'd be pretty valuable since I didn't see you any other time the rest of the year to go to your houses on Sunday afternoons throughout the year. That makes a ton of sense. I can see where that would happen in the Middle Ages. I can't quite get it now, and I don't get why people would even fight about it. Um, so now in my experience, a person doesn't want to mention it. People are so jealous, even jealous to the point of vindictiveness. I think some of it is status too. Well, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you got a status game going on, whatever it is. I'm not quite sure, so I don't want to speak to it specifically. But clearly jealousy is a status worship it's a status game it's playing the game of names are valuable which means you have no idea about who you are or what you're made of you don't realize that you're dust in the wind and your name will be gone you think you're going to compete with solomon and david and elon musk i mean how old are you <laughs> you don't got much time left and even if you keep compete with them how many of those have truly truly remained uh very few very few indeed so like Playing the status game is largely a mirage of the present moment, and it is about the animal feelings of like the society you're in. So the more you can see that humans act instinctively as animals in healthy sociocultural ways that are both built into the Ten Commandments, but then also bent at times. But to see that we're we're not as what uh, the word is liberated. We're not as free as we think we are. We think we're making decisions and doing what we want, but what we're doing a lot of times is very animal patterns, movements, actions. Watch a rabbit or a dog sometime and then watch like videotape yourself in your office. <laughs> it's, it's not so different. And, and I think in that though, what I was saying earlier about how our spirit, our mind and our, our psyche and our bodies are one, well, you're, you're, you're being who you are. So your pastor then as a body has to be near all of you at some point. And if some of you are trying to keep that from happening, or some of you are actually setting yourselves up as better because he's around you more, yeah, 1 Corinthians would be my prescription to you then, I suppose. Start to finish. You, 1 Corinthians, go into 2nd 2 while you're at it, and if you want to get gutsy, go find a copy of 1 Clement afterwards. It'll confuse you, but it'll help you see what a mess you can make when you play games of status, because <laughs> uh, that's what, that's what uh, indeed um, Corinth was doing. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. And knowing that means that I can even be with someone who plays a status game and I can love them anyway uh, and wait. I don't have to go tell them to their face. So, you know, I don't know. Um, I, 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 think, I think the question you really have is a question for your pastor and it's probably not what you've asked me. 
right? And that question, I think, is something more along the lines of, Pastor, I'm struggling to understand uh, the place of, uh, or, or the form of our community, um, the hierarchy of our community, the, uh, the way in which our, we're ordered together. I feel like there is some inner circle or, or favoritism. It seems like that. Can you tell me that's not true or tell me how I can be a part of just keeping us all part of the same, uh, you know, ecumenical jive, uh, the Catholic Christian reality, the Lutheran faith, you know, that we're all one congregation, one body, one church. How, how can I help us and foster that? Go to your pastor with that question. And I think that'll be probably the best thing you can do unless he yells at you and then you maybe have a very different thing going on and, um, well, come back and ask for help at that point, I guess. Um, that's sad if that's what he does. So Jedi Knight, oh, this is a, a lost super chat from last week, and I know there's a big super chat from earlier. We'll pull that up here in a moment. Uh, while those mysterious ballots showed up, uh, this is from last week, uh, funny how the down ballot elections didn't change, almost like they left the down ballot blank. Surely not so. It's faster to print, heaven forbid. Um, so talking about the election stuff, and it continues to be, he said, she said, both sides, and the media only plays one side. And so, yeah, you get like half the country is President Biden-elect, and you guys should all accept it. The other half the country is. It's, it's in the courts, and we're just going to wait. And, and we yell at each other. Thankfully, um, Twitter's been quieter, though. There's just not as much going on, although it's interesting how it looks like some of the court choices were wise if you're playing the game as Donald. Um, I am not a prophet, and I don't know enough of what's going on, and I know liars and the lies you tell them are really good at it. But I would, I would say that before you before you despair of a Biden presidency or before you rejoice in a Biden presidency, um, the system has got to about two months left and uh, the path to election, while um, not the normal one uh, for Donald looks, someone tell me I'm wrong with some new information. It looks kind of good. Um, I'm just, I, I don't want to think that I'm, I've, I've girded myself up just to preach against baby killing for four years. I mean, it'll be good for everybody to do that. So, you know, here we go. Right. Um, but uh, then again, uh, I would like to think, I would like to think that what I've seen of the American populace just kind of wanting to be good people living in their towns and doing good work, um, that that doesn't get destroyed. I don't want to see that go away. I don't want to build back better than that <laughs> and all that kind of thing. So that, that's from Jedi Knight. Let's go back to there was another really, really, where did it go? It was a, I was surprised to see this. Normally they, they stand out in color. There we go. Oh, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. Um, oh, why is my picture? <laughs> Why would my picture be behind that? Hold on. I can't do anything about that. This, this. There you go. Super chat from Ryan says, uh-oh. Uh, if ever there was a time to invest in the truth, and truth speakers is now at the height of fears for the sake of the many broken people that will result from the times. God bless you, of Yeah, amen. Thank you. Um, that's just it. So my task as a human right now, and, and as a, a pastor slash entrepreneur slash entertainer, I am going to attempt to bend every bit of income and property that I own into establishing the roots of what will be needed on the other side of a civilizational collapse. This is not to say I'm assuming all things are going away. I just think that there will be people who can't afford a lot of stuff and knowledge will not be as free as, as it is right now. So that's where I'm putting my agenda. And as you know, that has to do with building the biggest megaphone that I can to shout, he has risen, you are paid for, you're all immortal now, he won't be long now. Anyway, join us into that, right? So thank you for giving me some of yours for that. Um, but your point is even bigger because it doesn't have to be through me. The point is uh, use your worldly wealth to make heavenly friends. You're not going to buy your friends in heaven. But the way a guy named Levi 
at my seminary, and Lee and I disagreed about a lot of stuff, but the way he said it, I think he was right. He said, the money in the bank when Jesus comes back is money that's going to burn. And while there's certainly something to building financial machinery and making use of it as tools, they also make great idols. And once they're idols, they get torn down. And so if that's what's getting torn down around us, it's time to lay the bones for just survival as Christians. And that can mean a lot of things. I don't know why it has to be scary. I mean, I do, because... I've watched the Nature Channel, <laughs> and I've watched uh, Off the Grid, the documentary. And I think about California. I think about Illinois shutting down power plants. And I think about how is my family going to eat? And while I would like to trust in man and princes, I think I got to trust in the fact that I'm a man, and I'm a father, and that I've got some land that's a gift to me, and I should use it for the good of everybody that I can. Everybody. And uh, that's that's the agenda. So if you can pull that into your world, thank you. And uh, and thank you for having the willingness to help me do that here in my world as well. Oops, that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to do this. Here we go. Let's do that one. All right. So that's all the questions from y'all. What else do I got for you that I haven't gone through? Not much. Hmm. Comments will go down the bottom. If you see something down at the bottom or say something in the next two minutes, I'll, I'll pull it up, especially if it's a theological question. Um, kind of looking through my notes on these things. <sighs> One thought that, um, a thought that has continued to revolve around my head for a couple weeks now. David Scare, prophet, Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, source of controversy on, on numerous occasions, actually, um, I got to sit on one of his classes, first class I've ever sat in on. I've sat on his papers, and they are sources of controversy. Often, not so much the paper, but his comments in the midst of the paper. It's a strange dynamic. All the same, his classroom was good. And he said this, and this is just what stuck with me. It is always the desire to get ahead that destroys the church. You can apply that to my idol of trying to make a congregation work, which I've been trying to do for 15 years, according to my dreams or whatever. You can apply that to the Senate, which I've been praying for that. Same thing. Even went to work there, hoping that somehow I could help make whatever I thought needed to happen, happen. Um, well, all along, for me, I know, I've been part of this American desire to get ahead. And so when David said that, Dr. Scared, Reverend Dr. Scare said, it is always the desire to get ahead that destroys the church. I realized it was not merely Seminex he was talking about, although, yet again, it was Seminex he was talking about. But no, sir, thank you, you're right, and I can handle the truth. The desire to get ahead is sin. It's the ninth and 10th commandments, or the 10th, depending on how you want to count it. It's the status game of coveting. And I've been talking about my church body and my congregation, but it's more than that. It's my house, and it's really not my house. It's my life, my spirit, my breath, my heart, my spleen, my mind, my body. I'm a son of Adam. And what did Adam do? He tried to get ahead. But I'm also a son of man and a brother of Jesus. Now, I don't have to get ahead of creation. I'm of one communion with him already. Uh, 
That felt kind of good. That was kind of good. Okay, we're, we're probably like done here. We got about five minutes. If you have anything down in the bottom, um, uh, I will I will comment as we kind of fill out the time. I love chatting with you guys just in general. Um, I realized kind of a weird thing this morning. Like you're my friends. <laughs> But you're like my imaginary friends, right? Because you're all like these avatars. And like, I'm your friend though, right? Like, like I'm this talking head friend you have who stands there and does funny things. And, um, and then tells you about the Bible. Uh, <laughs> for me to, to, to come to terms with the fact that I can still think you're my friends, even though I don't know you. Yeah, I'm going to go talk to my friends now. I'm not going to listen to them. Sometimes I will when they throw things in the comments, right? But um, I like this idea. Uh, we were talking about anxiety a while ago. I mean, I carry, I can't even not, I carry some of the biggest anxiety of anybody I know, or at least I did. I think I'm shedding some of it, but there's so much of it. And it, it has to do with expectations that you put on yourself, which is a story that you tell, which is a myth about what you're supposed to be, which is based upon stories you've heard. And if you can change those stories you've heard to stories you're hearing about who you're going to be in Christ, then it's no longer a myth you tell, but a truth you're promising a creed you're confessing. And in fact, it will turn into the words that convert other people. That's Christianity. And the fact that we haven't been able to do this for a while, I'm not sure what's going on. <laughs> like, I, I am not a charismatic at all. Uh, but like, it, I think it has a lot more to do with the first article reality. That this is about a, a bending shift in like gravity space time somehow. Or God just kicked the rock to knock us off Greenwich Mean Time because he had to. Otherwise, we'd all be in hell, like you, me, and a bunch of the other Christians who are Christians. The path the world was on, we were all going to hell. And so in his mercy, our Lord has not done that. And if you want a different story to explain it, fine. The, the, you're not going to get to a different conclusion than that God meant it for our good. And so I just, I'm going to use the most extreme one for my own heart so I can stop worrying about it. God meant it for our good. If this had not happened, the last, tw- my son says, I love my son. He's repeating me, probably. And my son said something like, you know, 2020, I, what a horrible year. I hate 2020. And I've had that thought too. In fact, I wrote something kind of crass back in like April um, on my, my notes for the whole year as sort of like a, like a, a despairing cry, cynic's cry. Um, but I heard him saying it the other day and I stopped. I said, son, it's the best year of my life. It's the best year of yours too, because it's the year that the Lord reminded us who we were. We had not forgotten. We were praying that we would remember who we were up to this point. And he said, yeah, 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 yeah. Time to kick the rock back. Everyone goes off and look, Christians are waking up. Now, the danger is that the movement of Methodism and Pietism, um, which ends up being what evangelicalism is, sees this as like a tier of Christianity. Like there's two tiers. There's like the spirit-filled Christian and then there's like the, the carnal Christian. And that you have to like make it happen to get out of one to the other. I think that's kind of really a, a poor way to look at it. I think the simile used as Epicotter way is better, that all Christians still have a carnal nature. And that if we do not fight the battle of the Spirit with the Spirit against it, that is the Word of God being in our lives regularly against it, well then we just become what that carnal is. We're feeding the bad wolf, as the Buddhists would say. And what we need to do is have the good wolf feed us. <laughs> uh, and then that's again what Scripture does. And then taking the time to breathe the scriptures does. It begins to change you and form you into being an imitation of them. Now, Paul says in Philippians 3 again, which again will be the sermon this weekend. It's such an important text. That there are going to be Christians who have a different mindset. They're Christians, but they haven't yet gotten the Christian mindset. 
And what he says about them is not that they're a first tier or a second tier or you need to speak in tongues or some nonsense like that. All he says is, if you haven't quite figured out why all the Christians are acting insane and confident, don't worry about it because God will reveal it to you in time. But those of us who understand it are just going to keep doing it. And that's how it's going to work. So he goes on to say, so imitate me, Paul says, imitate me. So I'm going to say to you, imitate me. I'm Jonathan. Hi, I'm Jonathan Fisk. I'm here to rescue you. Imitate me as I imitate Paul because Paul says he's imitating Christ. And you said before, uh, it was Jiminy, right? You said before, I don't know how I could be like Paul. Paul says, try. How? Read about Paul. Read from Paul. Paul is very clear. Why is he a bigger corpus in the scriptures? He says it himself. So you can imitate him. So you can see his life in Acts lined up with his letters, not just to get the content of the letters and write books about it, but to see the content of the life and live it and be given it. Be given it. I feel like I could have said more there. Always can. But it's about that time. Uh, you don't get the t-shirt. Uh, I'll, let, me, let me bring this one up. So I love this though. The t-shirt was a gift. I don't even know. Is it on here? Where is it? U.S. Uh, Oscar, Oscar Mike. Google Oscar Mike and you'll, and you'll learn more about the t-shirt. Okay. So it's got a cool like um, Molan Labe kind of thing on the back. And, uh, you know, the, the Trojan helm with the American flag and the beard. But what I love about this shirt is, like, if I take this away, that's the carnal man inside me who worships pagan things. And, ugh! Oh, look, it's the Holy Spirit looking out now. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> oh, it's confidence building. So, you know, to believe that. But do is everything I say the Holy Spirit? No, but I'll tell you what it is. You ready for it? Habakim, oh, I messed it up again. Habakim, Bajashua, Kahar, Zion, Lo, Yamot, Lolam, Yeshev, Yerushalayim, Harim, Saviv, La, Bajashua, Saviv, Lamo. He spoke by the prophets. When you speak with the prophets, say it's him coming out of you again. The more of you put that, the more that you put more of that into your day, the more you can go to bed saying, I know I am filled with the Holy Spirit. And I have no question about this, even though I don't speak in tongues, and even though my life just got really, really hard. And even though everything I prayed for, he said no to, I know he has put his spirit inside me more than once now. Why would I wallow in the muck with those who have no hope? Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to um, support me on Patreon. <laughs> I was going to do it in a moment there with the music and everything, but uh, Patreon's been my primary, uh, what do we call it, gear for financially building the studio space to produce all sorts of whatever we can try to produce over time, including the Mad Christian Network. I didn't promote the Discord today at all. you got to join the Mad Christian Discord. It is the place to network with Christians who care about thinking through the chaos of the white noise and being kind of chill about how fundamentally basic we can be united as we stand in one faith, uh, the creedal faith of Jesus Christ our Lord. Um, so uh, check out the Mad Christian Discord. There should be a link to that. People in the comments will always help. You can just Google RevVist.com and that'll get you there. But then again, Patreon is the financial mechanism behind it all. Uh, it is money that goes to me. I do not pay others other than to buy stuff from them at this point. But if God is good, at some point this will turn itself into something where we, in fact, are uh, – uh, well. 
I don't want to say what will we be has not yet been revealed, but I will say it's hard to build a company for media production for 10 years from now when there's going to be as much change in who and how we get to listen uh, between now and then as I think there's going to be. Uh, so that's why you got to get on the Mad Monday's newsletter uh, mailing list because that way if they shut all this down, you can find wherever we pop up next without any question because if we got your email, we can find you anywhere unless they turn off the whole internet, at which point I guess I'm in Rockford. You'll have to take a trip. <laughs> so, um, But Patreon, again, uh, five bucks a month is really what the whole thing's based on. There are a few of you superheroes over there that are doing 20, 50, those kinds of things, but you, that's the minimum of what the actual big thing is. Most of the support is $5 a month. Um, so uh, watching that, come in while some of you have to drop out and I know some of you do disappear and still watch the show because your life puts you where you are. That's all good if you're able at this time to put five bucks a month toward this stuff. Saturday Morning Chill, Mad Mondays, A Brief History of Power, all the things that are coming out of Mad Christianity, um, then that's, well, that's how I know that I should keep going the direction I'm going. As you say, it's worth it's worth promoting. All right. So I think, I think, I think, I think, I think we're going to leave it. One more thing. Last thing. I started with this. We're going to end with this. You ready? Your breath in your body is the clock God created you to be. Take a deep breath. Feel the heartbeat. Feel your arms. Let it out slow. The breath in your body is the clock God created you to be. And when it comes out, you can talk just like him. It is known. Catch you next time. Was that worth a dollar? Click the Patreon link in the show notes to sign up. Pretty please? (laughs) 